So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, lords, ladies, priests, pedophiles, birds, dogs, cats, planes, trains, automobiles. Unfortunately, we can no longer greet the queen at the beginning of the podcast, Megan. It is with great sadness that we announce the passing of Her Majesty, Her Royal Highness, Queen Elizabeth. Rest in peace. You don't give a fuck. No, do I do. She lives an incredible life. Like, she's really remarkable. She truly did. I mean, think about it. Being a woman back then, like, she was never supposed to get the throne. And she was in her 20s. And she was like a, a legit woman, not a chick with a dick. No, and she reigned for over 70 years. Scientifically. Like, that's pretty incredible. She's a woman. Okay. Way to ruin it, huh? Yeah, I thought we could have a good conversation there, but nope. All right, let's get back to it. Okay. She was. She was on the throne for... Almost as long as me sometimes. 70 years. (laughs) Seriously, it's incredible. We both enjoy a bit of time on the throne. I mean, it was a a man's run world, and she stepped into it and really did it with grace and just pretty incredible. No, I, I agree, absolutely. And she was, for the most part, I think, and again, this is an outsider looking in opinion, incredibly dedicated to protecting not only the monarchy, i.e. her family, but also the traditions and I guess just like England and its territories as a whole. Yeah, and but interestingly enough, she kind of stayed out of things political. Like people respected her opinions, but she did it in a very graceful way. Mm. So we'll see what happens. So Queen Elizabeth, may you rest in peace. Yes. And may your womanizing son, the new king of England, who killed his first wife, Allegedly. Rule with dignity and honor. Yeah, let's hope. Well, maybe. Fingers crossed on that one. We'll see. Now, I think they were saying, like he said in a documentary a couple years ago, that he plans to rule much like his mother. Like he's been outspoken as the heir, but he plans to quiet it down. It's actually, I think about the whole thing. I'm fascinated. Me too. By, you know, the monarchy and that whole setup. But it's, it's interesting because... Really, the monarch holds no power. No, none, which is what's incredible. And she knew her place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which was very interesting. So I think that's what made her a good queen. Mm. You know, she honored the traditions and things of that nature and did progressive things. Mm -hmm. um, But within her reign of power, which is... Very limited to, like, the royal properties. Yeah, exactly. It's very interesting. You know, it's, again, the the whole monarchy thing is fascinating. If you have a chance, I I would highly recommend The Crown. And then if you want to take a deeper dive into it, there's all sorts of, I guess, documentaries on more so the BBC, not the anti-gay-P BBC, like the British Broadcasting Corporation BBC. Yeah, no, definitely. We we went down the rabbit hole of the Queen quite some time ago and oh, watched we sure everything we could possibly watch about her, about Philip. Like the whole thing is just fascinating. It is. It's it's incredible. So there there goes that. Couple of things. It's season two, episode thirty, of the world famous So I Married an Alcoholic podcast. Let's thank the sponsors. Our studio sponsor is Marlane Graphics. MarlaneGraphics.com for all of your printing needs. 
And the show sponsor is Realtor and a Baby, realtorandababy.com for all of your real estate needs. We may have talked about this at some point in time, and of course, I'm sure it's going to go off in many different directions, but the alcoholic, well, much like the late queen, and now the new womanizing king, murderous king, if I may. That is your opinion. Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. This show does not speak for the monarch as a whole. I think we should be representatives of the monarchy. Well, you know, I heard the queen die and I started polishing up my resume. I thought maybe they'd be calling. <laughs> Doubt it, bro. <laughs> Got some new headshots done. Unfortunately, your uh, your Irish blood is a little too tainted. I know, but beauty's not a requisite. That's for damn sure. I thought the queen was a beautiful woman. I did too. In her essence, Charles is an ugly fucker. Oh, he's horrible. Even William, it's not good. Terrible to look at. Although, you know, like I said, with the appropriate amount of money in your bank account, you will get fucked. Princess Kate is quite lovely. I prefer Kate over that other bitch. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, she like tore the family apart. That's a whole nother story that we won't get into. We did watch that episode. That uh, interview also on Oprah. And oh. I came out of that not thinking of her positively. No, and I think that the, the, the whole goal of that was to put the spin towards or in favor of which uh, Megan. Yeah, definitely. And Oh, that fucking bitch. I know. And there could have been, right? Like there are some, you know, I'm sure some issues that could have been brought up. But really, she just came off as a bitch that like to me like was ruining a relationship between her husband and his family and for me it was more of a like how lucky and blessed are you to be part of such a, a family so richly steeped in tradition and culture and whatever and you're like you're fucking complaining yeah and you could have the platform to make positive change exactly. but that's not what you used it for exactly you just sounded i don't know entitled and I, the whole thing was she left a bad taste in my mouth well, much like your first husband, darling. Sure. And the thousands of men before him. Uh-huh. And during him. Okay. And probably shortly right after. That's how you got here, honey. Like Lucky same night. boy. That's disgusting. You're terrible. Anywho, so the alcoholic, much like the late queen, the work is never done. I want to talk about that a little bit. Okay. I would also like to talk about, I don't know if we've ever dove into this before, but like, the byproducts of recovery. Okay. So I was just, you know, again, on my own throne, thinking mm -hmm. to myself, this will, uh, October 11th is our actual, our anniversary date. It is. When the, not the church. Yeah, they said no. When, when the county recognized our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Megan can't get married in a church. Anywho. And that's definitely one of the byproducts of sobriety, right? I mean, I will have been with you, is it four years now? I think it's been four years, yeah. And married for three, again, as of October 11th. That is the longest committed relationship that I have been in outside of, of course, drugs and alcohol. Interesting. We've now surpassed the high school sweetheart in time, at least. Not in your heart. In, no, definitely not in time. In heart, uh, she, she fucking ruined me. I know. That bitch. Let me tell you something. If she slid into my DMs tomorrow, I'd pack my shit and say, see you later. I think she has, though, and you she has. didn't, believe it or not. As a matter of fact, she reached, this is just this just goes to show you how much of a terrible person I am. She reached out to me a couple of years ago and was like, hey, I'm getting married in a couple of weeks to this great guy. 
um, do you want to meet up one last time? And I was like, fuck you, you whore. I'm really proud of you for that. And then you did? also followed it up with, is this like a blowjob meetup or Oh, you wanted to see really what, okay. Yeah, like if you want to buy me a coffee, I'll pass. If you want to suck my cock, you know, I may have some time for that in my schedule. I have no words for you. Shocking. This must have been before recovery. That's right. All right. Now I'm a different person. Uh huh. But anyways, again, I think that's one of those amazing byproducts of recovery. I I would have, you know, if we did this ten years ago, you and I, I, I don't think we would have gone the distance, so to speak. Oh, definitely not. I mean, we've talked about that before. We talked about like, you know, it's a double-edged sword, or you know, I don't know what it is, but. You know, there's a part of me we met later in life and we missed out on so much time and, you know, experiences we could have had together. Did we, though? Uh, no, they would have gone up in flames. So yeah, it doesn't exactly. really matter. <laughs> that's the that's the other side of it. I mean, yeah, maybe we would have inevitably added days or hours or weeks, years to this relationship. But I can assure you from my end it would not be going so smoothly. No, it's like that saying, you know, the, my only wish is that we met sooner so I could have loved you longer. But in reality, we would, would have like set the world on fire and not in a positive way yeah, ourselves. Exactly. And it really just would have been messy. So things happen for a reason, I guess. Yeah, right. A- another byproduct of recovery, if you will, is all of the the blessings that we enjoy on a daily basis. Um You know, every night when I go to bed, I say my little prayer and I thank, you know, my higher power, which is, again, a big part of the program Mm -hmm. uh, for the roof over my head and the food in the fridge and my family and my bird dog and the fact that I can like actually pay like the heating bill on a monthly basis sometimes. I was just going to say mostly. Mostly. We, We tend to run it a little hot here. Yeah. And the electric bill and, you know, shit like that, which, I don't know, years ago, like, I obviously knew that, like, these things were around, but I wasn't, I don't know, appreciative of them or as appreciative of them as I am now. Does that make sense? Yeah, in many ways, I think. Like, a lot of the little things that had absolutely zero meaning in my life five years ago now mean the world to me. Yeah. And I think recovery is a big part of that. And I also think, you know, when you talk about a roof over your head and paying the heating bill. That's not my mother's, by the way. That's what I was just going to say. Or fucking jail. I think a lot of that was, you know, Chris Chris couch surfed for a while. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, for the first time, you know, on the wrong side of 35 is when you really start taking care of yourself. Like as far as like working for it, being responsible for yourself. I think being responsible for myself is a much way to better way mm-hmm. to put it. I don't like taking care of myself. Because you're still not great at that. No. Okay. I'm actually terrible at it. <laughs> I smoke too much. I drink entirely too much caffeine. I swear too much. I fight with the neighbor too much. True story. That that fucking asshole is not a gift of sobriety. You want to talk about that? No. When I had a when I had a conversation with him in my head in the shower the other day, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Like if he came at me like he just came at you, how we would react completely different because we are different. And I was gonna you know give him the word of Jesus. Whereas me, I'm like 
there's a fucking AR-15 upstairs that's got your name on it, asshole. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, he's, but see, I don't think you should, like, poke un- mentally unstable people, but that's just my personal opinion. I have life insurance now because I'm employed, so. Okay. Well, what the hell? Sure. If you get shot, though, like, eh. You're fucked. Shit happens. Yeah. I'm not fucked. I'll call up the ex. Okay. Call up the old high school sweetheart. You can go back to living in Worcester. Never again in my <laughs> life. It's something. Nothing. Nothing would bring me back to Worcester. I know. I would transplant her to PA. Okay, honey. Yeah. It's grown on you here? Of course. I love this state. The, I know, right? The great state of Pennsylvania where the Second Amendment is highly favored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? Okay. Well, I don't know. So you were saying this is the longest relationship you've ever had in your life. Yes. And it's a gift of sobriety. So how did that get you there? Like, why? What do you mean, why? Why is it possible to have a successful long-term relationship when you're sober Uh, and not when you're not? I think because for the first time in a long time, my priorities do not involve getting and staying high. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. Like, there, there are much greater... Uh, aspirations in my life and responsibilities, if you will, that years ago I was willing to ignore it to almost any length to to maintain that that high. And I think one of the the main focus of the program, one of the main focuses, is getting rid of that self centeredness. And I think in order to have a relationship. That has to go by the wayside or it's not going to be successful in any sense of the word. Well, I think for those that have listened to the show for more than 10 minutes, realize that, yes, I, I am a person in long term recovery. Uh, no, I do not work the best program at, that has ever been designed. I can still be a very self-centered, selfish individual. Yeah, 97.5 percent of the time that would be you. Let's be realistic. Let's go with like 99.9. But I think one of the gifts of the program is you know you're not supposed to be. And I occasionally take the appropriate action to correct that. A hundred percent. You're open to other avenues. Yes. Very much so. Much like the high school girlfriend. I think you like, you actually occasionally, although not outwardly, but I do believe you think about it later, take feedback on that. I do. You know, like I think grudgingly. Yes, exactly. But I think you're willing to, although not to my face, hear that. Like we talk about being a learning curve, right? Being in a long term relationship since you've never done it before. And I did it poorly. That's fair. I think that was a big sticking point that I kept bringing up over and over and over again. Like now that you're in a family. First husband or second husband? You, this one. Okay. Now that you're in a family. Mm hmm. You actually don't get to be like the center of the universe anymore at all. No, it's not about me. In in most cases, I, again, begrudgingly have to take a back seat to, you know, a, a two year old, an 11 year old and a how old? 36, 37. Oh, you're so kind. 38. 38. You yeah, old bitch. 38 and a half almost. High school sweethearts. 36. Nuh-uh. They thought you were the same age. We could be. Okay. I'm just saying. She's over 40. That whore. I know. No, but yeah. Priorities change sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Yeah. You know? Um, But I think that's a huge part, and I think you have to have worked a program if you were a previous drug and alcohol user. 
to be able to do that with any modicum of success. I agree wholeheartedly because let me tell you something. Uh, I am the type of alcoholic addict that could not just put down the drugs and the alcohol. Uh, I had to quite literally fundamentally change the person that I was. And I think it's interesting. I was saying to Chris, I just saw someone post on one of these forums I'm on on Facebook. And this one's not an AA forum. It's just a sobriety forum in general. Mm -hmm. And someone posted, do you think you can get sober on pure willpower alone? I think the answer is yes, but I don't know if that's the gateway to live the kind of life that you're capable of. Right. I think you cannot drink or use drugs on pure willpower alone. Sure. I think it's probably pretty fucking miserable. Yeah. You know, I think that... in <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Numerous times. I it think... just doesn't... It, again, if that's how you do things, if that's how you recover, I'm all on board for that. Personally, that's not me. And I don't think it necessarily has to be AA. I mean, we're AA people, but I do think there's other probably programs of recovery. But I think for any of them to be truly successful or for you to live an actually happy, joyous, and free life, you're going to have to change the person that you are. Yeah, exactly. I, I you know, I work a program of AA. Again, not fantastically, but I do it. There's also Narcotics Anonymous. There's CA, which is Cocaine Addicts Anonymous or something yeah. like that. I know absolutely nothing about those self-help programs exactly. or whatever. Exactly, smart recovery. But I can assure you the basis or the foundation of those programs is changing the individual. Absolutely. And whether you do that through therapy, through... You know, whatever means you choose, that's really, truly the only way to live a successfully sober life. Oh, I like that. Successfully sober. Yeah. I mean, you cannot drink and be fucking miserable. Yeah, but what's the point? Exactly. Um, so that's my opinion on it, that yes, you can not drink. Also, too, though, I was kind of throwing around in my mind, if you cannot drink based on willpower alone, were you ever really an alcoholic? Ooh. Because the alcoholic's willpower is going to not keep you from not drinking. It's going to tell you you can drink and you can hide it or it'll be different this time. Well, or I or, think there's also and I'm actually very happy to cut you off there. I was going to apologize, but fuck that. It's not what I do. I think there are very different definitions of alcoholic you know, like the textbook alcoholic. I think if you go to your doctor's office and they say, how many drinks do you have? You know, it's probably like a half dozen drinks a week. Yeah, it's a low quantity. Low and quantity. that defines you as an alcoholic, right? I think it's the people too, like that talk about like they don't drink every day, but those binge drinking episodes. And I think we've talked about this for, before. To me, the term of a true alcoholic is the physical, the change that happens after the first drink the that you cannot stop that you change who you are as a person when you have that substance in your body isn't that kind of the point of ingesting said substance yeah exactly but like for me i think the the classic definition of alcoholic is you know are there consequences to your behavior 
Like, yeah, are I, you getting DUIs? Are you missing days at work? You and I both know many people in our families, in our social circles, in our professional lives that quote unquote drink to excess. Sure. We also know those same exact people have never truly suffered a consequence of alcoholism. Well, and I think for me, for alcoholism, it's that you can know or have those consequences and still not stop. That's the difference. Mm. Anyone can get a DUI. You don't have to be an alcoholic to get a DUI. No, you just have to have a glass of wine at dinner or two glasses of wine and the unfortunate shitty luck of getting pulled over on the way home. Absolutely. When I tell people I've had a DUI before, society in general is very unfazed by that. I think nowadays, yes. If I tell people that- It's still serious. Oh, absolutely. It's a horrible thing. Don't ever do it. But- if I tell people that I'm a recovering alcoholic, that makes people uncomfortable. The Very fact that I drove drunk doesn't really bother them all that much. They're like, oh, that happens to everybody. Yes, which, I mean, is not okay. But, you know, if I say, though, oh, well, I'm a recovering alcoholic, that's where people get uncomfortable. Then it's all of a sudden, you know, you have some sort of malady that you are unfit for society. Yes. Just because you've labeled yourself recovering yeah it has nothing to do with the dui it's it's crazy it's an yeah. interesting interesting little conundrum yeah anywho so the work is never done the work is never done and much like the late queen may she rest in peace the alcoholics work is never done and again you can work a half-ass shitty program and still live a great life you know i don't think you just one day put down the drink well maybe you do and like all of a sudden things change for the better do you believe that, though, that you can half-ass it and still live a great life? Yeah, I'm, I'm living proof. But don't you think that's cutting yourself short, doing yourself a disservice? To a certain extent, sure. Like now that you've been given this gift of sobriety mm -hmm. and the tools through a program that we do believe so firmly in, mm -hmm. do you believe anything less than, and I'm not saying everyone does it perfectly every day, like that's like ridiculous. I don't even think you should try like strive for perfection. I think perfection's stupid. But do you think that not committing every day to more than just not picking up a drink is good enough? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. I think I'm an underachiever uh, by nature, so it's good enough for me. Is that Most funny? days. I think that bothers me about you a little bit. Well, again, there's always the high school sweetheart. I'm just saying, because don't you think... <laughs> Clearly, like... <laughs> nothing about me bothers her. Just, I mean, obviously it does, because I believe the story goes, she cheated on you, broke your heart, and left you in the dust. I'd take her back tomorrow. <laughs> You're a stupid man. But... Um... All men are stupid. Do you not realize that? All you have to do is literally make them come, and they're like... Okay. I know, but we've talked about this. You know, the dream of that isn't actually the reality. When you fall in love for the first time, you always think that one's the best. But it's not. Like, it's not. It wouldn't translate into adulthood. Well, my brain tells me that she's not the best. My dick has other thoughts, though. <laughs> which Even is, again. That, that's, you're remembering a 17-year-old, not a 40-something-year-old. I'm sure that ass doesn't look like it did 20 years ago. No, I'm sure it does not. But whatever. That's why the lights are off in the bedroom. <laughs> 
Uh, what were we talking about? What the fuck? I was saying that's something that bothers me about you, but is the fact that, I don't know, I guess every day I feel so blessed that I was given these gifts. Yeah. And I, like we were talking about this last episode that I had fallen down, I think, in my program in the sense that I wasn't doing as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And although I believe I try to live the life daily, I wasn't doing everything I could or enough. I, I wouldn't even say everything. I wasn't doing enough. No, that's what I just said. Yeah, and how selfish of that is me. Like, doesn't that go back then? But I'm not here to beat you up and be like, oh, that bothers me about you. All right, well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to beat you up. I'm just saying, okay, no, well, we'll talk I mean about the excessive, the hypothetical you, I guess. You know, mm. the alcoholic in general. Mm-hmm. If you're not putting forth your best effort, Mm-hmm. Are you cutting yourself short? I guess I look at it like we were given this amazing gift of recovery. Sure. We were given the tools to do it. Yeah. And if we don't put in our best effort, although that will not be perfect on a daily basis. Exactly. Is that like self-centered? Is that like, like think about everything we're giving up by not doing that? And it's a simple task, right? Well, again, I, I think on paper, it is a simple task. Yes, absolutely. I think it's also human nature. To become complacent. Yeah. And it is not that it's a grind being in recovery, but I don't know. I don't necessarily think that it has to be the first thing on your mind every single day or like constantly working towards some sort of you know, recovery goal or something like that, I think you can still live a great life. Now, it are to speak to your question, are, are you cutting yourself short? I don't know. Like, if I went to a meeting seven days a week at this point in time, or anybody for that matter, is my life going to be exponentially better than it is today? I, I think the answer for me is no. So I don't know if you have to go to a meeting every day. I sure. don't think that's it. I think that sometimes you need them to kind of re-spark that fire or re-spark, just get you back into practice, yeah, if that makes sense. center yourself. Or... Yeah, I think that living a 12-step life that we've committed to, mm-hmm. I think that that, yes, should be on the front forefront of your mind or the the first thing you think about every day because I don't think you have to go to a meeting to live that way every day. Sure. And maybe if you're not, you know, or you're, you know, things are running more space in your head than they should be, or you find yourself spinning on that wheel more or all these behaviors or thoughts that were so frequent before you got sober Mm -hmm. that maybe you do need to put some of those things back in just to kind of get back into the swing of how you're supposed to live your life. Because I think that's what I'm saying. I don't think you need to, you know, go to a meeting seven days a week, be the person that makes coffee, chair. Like, I I don't think you need to necessarily do all that every day to and you can still live a happy, recovered life. But I think if you're not putting those principles into practice every day, then you are selling yourself short or being selfish like we were given this gift and it's our job now to use it in our everyday life Mm. and speak to those others you know that can get it and I think that's another gift right that we've been given like we we got it I believe it I've drank the Kool-Aid I know that you can live a happy successful life in recovery 
Absolutely. And so by not going to meetings or not showing that to the world, I don't mean like advertising it, but I mean in the yeah, way we don't behave, forget. Not allowed. The world hates you because you're recovering. But like in the way that you behave and, you know, then I think you're not doing what you're that I, I think we're not doing our part either, you know, to continue the cycle. Yes and no. All right. What do you got? You got anything I to talk no, about? No, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I also know that, again, we are human beings and we are imperfect by nature. I, I don't know if this just speaks to me as a person, you know, who I am fundamentally. I think complacency is, I mean, obviously not a good thing, but I think it's natural to be complacent in, in certain areas of your life yeah and I agree with that I just think like how dare we be complacent when we were given this gift that only so little people get because we are the outlier we're the exception not the rule of who gets to get recovery you know of who gets to remain sober yeah I mean I I don't disagree I guess maybe I'm just having a hard time swallowing the fact that like perhaps I am wasting an opportunity uh, and I'm not s- speaking to you I'm speaking no, to you alcoholics are. in general and about myself you know what I mean like that's like a lot of what I've been thinking about recently because yeah, we all do it yeah of course we do and that's what I mean how do we do better mm. because we got a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here that most people that drink and drug will not get. I I agree with that. I mean, the numbers are not in our favor. No. And everyone's entitled to it. I always say everyone's entitled to that miracle. I love that. But a lot of times, unfortunately, you don't live to get to it, you know, or you yeah. don't you don't want to put in the work to get to it because it's really fucking hard. And just yeah. getting drunker and high is much easier. It certainly is. So don't you think that's complacency then? Do you think drinking and drug use is staying in that hamster wheel? Do you think that's complacency? Yeah, absolutely. And so don't you think you can do the same in your recovery? I think you can. Yes, absolutely. You know, and like get in as bad of a mental place as that you were when you were drinking. I think to me. God, I hope not. I think to me drugs and alcohol is such a symptom that. I don't know. I I look at the fact. So when this person said, can you, you know, get sober without just by willpower alone? You can, but just not drinking or doing drugs is nothing. In fact, it couldn't even make you an angrier person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's the phenomenon of the dry drunk. Yeah, exactly. Like, is Which that... for those of you that don't know, is somebody that just stops drinking or using drugs and is still a complete miserable fucking asshole right at that point i'd rather you just go back out and like let us all live peacefully you wouldn't because you've never had the pleasure of seeing me on a fucking run <laughs> you'd be like oh well i'd prefer you actually be complacent in your recovery and not get <laughs> drunk or high say you know you never know what you're gonna get no it's true i could be jekyll i could be hyde i could show up with three prostitutes and be like well it's my house too so now you have to deal with it uh. That's yeah. not really that much different than not being sober, I feel like. Yeah, no. It's like well. dogs and the same thing. I mean, just replace it with prostitutes. Same behavior. I mean, dogs, generally speaking, are cleaner than prostitutes. Unless you have, like, high-class hookers, but I don't have high-class hooker budget. I have, like, you know, $5 hooker budget. I don't know. Our dog recently, I would not say, is cleaner than a hooker. If a, If we had a hooker here that could like sweep up or cook dinner, I would much prefer that to the dog. I mean, we could get a nanny. 
She could double as a hooker. We can't afford her. But like, ask, what's his name? Ben Affleck. Never fuck the help. No, it's a poor plan. Never a good idea. I was saying that the other day at work. Now that Chris is back, I really miss having a stay-at-home mom at our house. Yeah, me too. I'd be willing to get a sister wife. Really? I see the appeal of that. Do I get to fuck her? I mean, I guess, but I don't even think you'd be interested in that. How do you know? You're not my dick. Most days I have to convince you it's good to have one wife. I don't think you'd want more than one. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually very true. I can't imagine many women cycling at the same time. No, I wouldn't even want that. My God. I feel like nothing is more torturous to a man. (laughs) No, even just having Frankie here and Birdie, other estrogen in this house, makes it a little harder to live in. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, darling, what else you got? I don't think I got anything else to you. No, I mean, I'm, I'm in a fucked up place because the queen has left. Uh, we have to go see my stepdad and one of his uh, very good friends. They're golfing in the Poconos. They've been here uh, all weekend. So we're, I'm actually looking forward to that. Although I'm a little fucked up because it's, you know, it's September. The weather is starting to change. It's raining, but it's still warm out. So mm-hmm. I'm like, do I throw on a rain jacket? I don't know. Do I wear a vest? Boots get really sweaty. Like, you can't wear boots, rain boots in the rain unless it's cold. No, exactly. Otherwise, you're, like, dying. But then what shoes do you wear? You don't want other ones to get wet? It's it's very difficult right now. Yeah, exactly. Fuck recovery. I have to worry about my wardrobe. Mm. All right, darling. Say goodnight. Goodnight. I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. Goodnight. I'm Chris. I, too, am an alcoholic. Cut off your pet's privates. And please, if you are struggling in any way, put your hand up, reach out, ask for help, God save the queen. So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com.